are listening to the Bleeding Big Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Guybridge Porter, back again. Yesterday, we had Alan Hahn on for an interview and to talk about the Giants and a little bit about the Knicks. And then Friday was our first podcast episode. Please remember to follow our social media pages on Twitter and Instagram at Bleeding Big Blue Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel with the same name. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Podbean, and YouTube. Unfortunately, right now, I'm not able to upload it on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. I'm having some trouble with that. I'm not giving up on it since we are growing at a good pace and a fast pace so far for the days that we have been together, and I thank all the fans for that. I was originally going to do free agency recap and comparison, and uh, to clarify that Justin Herbert is actually not going to the Giants, and I know that, and that's the truth, but... We are still doing those topics. I just want to get into something else. Now, when I went upstairs to get my planned paper, all the topics I have doing today, my brother told me that on 98.7 ESPN today, Bart Scott, Michael Caine, Don LaGreca ranted, not ranted, but basically called out Joe Judge. Why did they call Joe Judge out, you ask? Apparently, according to them, he's been acting like Bill Belichick without the rings. Oh, boy. I think they're bored. Listen, they're good behind the microphone, and I think it should stay that way. Obviously, Bart Scott was a former player, and he used to play against Bill Belichick. Um, But if you think about it, all Joe Judge is trying to do, all he's trying to do is get the respect of the Giants fans and the Giants players. He's only having a leadership role. He's trying to have a leadership role with this team. Because you know what? And this team hasn't had a leader that Joe Judge, like, I'm not going to say that he's a leader yet because we obviously haven't seen him in the preseason training camp. He hasn't even contacted with the players yet. I don't think, I think it was either yesterday, I think it was yesterday where they had started discussing the offseason program. But anyway, he's trying to get the respect for the players and he's trying to get respect for the fans. And he's trying to put a good future out there and he's going to do as the best as he can. Now, I hate this Giants bias and I think it is Giants bias in my opinion. Because we have not seen those same analysts and sportscasters go after Joe Douglas. And Joe Douglas is a part of a team on the opposite side of New York. Well, not really opposite side, but the Jets. He's never drafted before. Okay? He's been in the front office, I will admit that. But he's never drafted before. And he's a part of a franchise that does not know how to draft. And everybody, when Joe Judge was hired, went after Joe Judge... Not necessarily... Okay, maybe I'll take that back. They went after the Mara family for simply making this hire. Now, everybody in the media was concentrated on the Giants hiring Matt Rule. That simply didn't happen and he's in Carolina now. I don't know what people were thinking. Thinking that Matt Rule would be a better fit than Joe Judge. Matt Rule is a college coach. College coaches don't work in the NFL. Now you could say, oh, well, you know, Jimmy Johnson worked, Pete Carroll worked. Yeah, and Bill O'Brien seemed to be having a winning record in Houston right now. Now, he's not doing the best as a GM. Obviously, we know that for the DeAndre Hopkins trade and the other trades he made. But let's get back to the original point. Judge has at least coached under someone who's established before. And I get it. Most Belichick guys have not worked. I get that. But at least he's coached in the NFL. And for everybody to be shocked that Joe Judge was the hire and Matt Rule wasn't, maybe they didn't feel like taking a chance on a guy who hasn't had enough time in the NFL to be a head coach. 
Matt Rule was a coach in the NFL for one season. That was 2012, and it was an assistant offensive line coach under Tom Coughlin. Now, that is experience, but it's one year of experience. And I'm just tired of this Giants bias. And as I said, everybody was going after the Mara family. Everybody was going after the Giants. Now, it was a questionable move. We'll see how it goes in the future. But I just hate this Giants bias that everybody has. But if it was some other team that hired Joe Judge, and then everybody says all of a sudden, oh, Brian Flores might work in uh, Miami. Okay, that might happen because they have a lot of assets. They have a lot of draft picks. They have a lot of free agent signings that they made this offseason. But he but why don't you apply it to him? Why isn't he why isn't he a Belichick tree guy that won't work? And why is Joe Judge not gonna work? Why is Brian Flores gonna work and why is Joe Judge not gonna work? People are bored at this time of year because we are under a pandemic and I get that, you know, there's not a lot to talk about, there's no sports, but you know what? I am tired of assumptions being made about this. And, you know, those same guys who made those comments, they always, like, you know, like to stand back and always like to see before they speak. But this time, they were bored because they don't know what to talk about. Well, I say that they should maybe take that back or either refrain from saying that. Because I don't remember when Joe Judge said that he was Bill Belichick without the rings. All he's trying to do is make a leadership standpoint for this team. This team has not been good since Super Bowl 46, and I'm just tired of the narrative. And last thing before we get into the first subject, Joe Judge does not have to prove it to the New York media. They don't have to prove it to the media all around this country. They have to prove it to the Giants fans, and they have to prove it to the front office and the Giants themselves. They don't have to prove it to the media, because I don't understand why the media thinks they're so important and they're more important than the fans. The fans are the ones who pay money to go into the stadium and watch this team. And too many of them have been paying too much money to watch this team lose for the past couple of years. And that's what I have to say. (sighs) Let me calm down a little bit. Okay. First topic for today is the free agency recap and comparison, what I originally said I was going to do. First comparison Kyler Frackrell replaces Marcus Golden at outside linebacker. Now, the Giants fans loved Marcus Golden. They still do today. However, it seems unlikely that they're going to resign him at this point, bearing his age and bearing the fact that James Betcher was fired in the offseason and Golden is not good outside familiarity. Now, the Giants did hire Patrick Graham as the defensive coordinator and assistant head coach for Miami, and Kyler Fackrell was signed. So was Blake Martinez. But we'll get to the Blake Martinez part a little later. Um, Kyler Fackrell was obviously signed because of familiarity, and they didn't go after, I would say, a true pass rusher. But Fackrell, as I said, was signed because of familiarity. And the year that Graham did coach him, he had 10.5 sacks. To be honest, that does look promising because 87, 80% of the time, familiarity didn't work out for the Giants. And that was because Dave Gettleman signed the wrong players, probably from the right team. Like, you know, I understand James Betcher, he was a good coordinator in Arizona, but he signed the wrong players. Kareem Martin, Josh Morrow, those guys didn't work out in New York at all. And they didn't even fix the defense. Like, Josh Morrow, he was a solid run defender. He wasn't exactly a pass rusher. And Kareem Martin was just awful. He was just awful. I don't know how... The Giants stuck with him for two years. I think they should have cut him way sooner. Um, and I guess they just kept him for two years. But anyway, 
I'm going to go to the career stats for both of these guys, and I'm actually going to go through their familiarity seasons. Like, obviously, James Betcher um, had Marcus Golden from 2015 to 2017, but his best season was 2016 when he eclipsed 12 and a half sacks. And Kyler Frackle's best season was 2018 when Patrick Graham was the linebacker's coach. And he actually did pretty well. So let's go over this. 2018 stats for Kyler Frackle. He only started 7 games out of the 16 that he played in. But I'll get to the topic of that. He also had 10.5 sacks as I mentioned. Uh, 42 total tackles and 12 QB hits. Which is a career high for him. Uh, Marcus Golden in 2016 however. He only had 3 games started. In 16 of the games he played. 12 and a half sacks. He did have a fumble recovery. In which he also did this year. He had 22 QB hits. And 51 total tackles. 16 tackles for a loss. And I forgot to mention. 12 tackles for a loss for Kyler Frackle in 2018. Now coming back to the 2019 season. When both Betcher and Golden were reunited. Golden started all the 16 games. 10, and 10 sacks. Uh, 13 tackles for a loss and 27 quarterback hits, which is a career high for him. Now let's analyze that further. Now if you look at the transition from 2018-2019, what did the Packers do that reduced Kyler Frackrow's playing time? They signed Zadarius and Preston Smith, two great pass rushers. Now, Zadarius Smith was, I would say, average before he got to Green Bay because he had 13.5 sacks this season. And was one of the best pass rushers. I totally give him credit. Now, Fackrell did not start any games last year. Because of how overshadowed, or you could say undershadowed, he was by the two Smiths. Um, now you could go back to compare Marcus Golden. People say that Marcus Golden is not a first-tier pass rusher like you would say um, Yannick Ngakwe or Jadeveon Clowney is or Chandler Jones is. They're right on that one. I don't think Golden is a first-tier pass rusher like many think he is. The only reason that he played 16 games and started those 16 games is because there was nobody behind him with an established track record. Kareem Martin and Olsen Pierre didn't even come close to the track record he had. O'Shane Zeminis was obviously a rookie, and Lorenzo Carter was in his second year. Now, I'm going to go back to that hit against Kyler Frackrell. In his career... Put aside 2019, or you could include it in this case, in his career, he only started 14.7 of the games he played in. That must be a red flag. Now, that's not because of injury, but it might be disappointing that he is not an every-down player and the Giants are need in need of pass rush. Now, you can't look at him as the number one pass rusher this season. You just can't. Reason being, he hasn't started enough games. He only had one over 10 sack season. Now, I'm not saying to be an established pass rusher, or to be an established number one, you have to have over 10 sacks. That's not what I'm saying. Jadeveon Clowney is a number one, and he hasn't even eclipsed 10 sacks yet. But I think it's just that Kyler Fackrell hasn't started enough games, and he's not the number one pass rusher, if you look at it. The Giants are going to have to search for that pass rusher in the draft. O'Shane Zimenez shows some promise, but I'm getting really disappointed with Lorenzo Carter. You know, the last two years, I think he had four sacks last year, four sacks the year before we really didn't see any improvement. I think we saw a little bit of reduction in playing time. But I definitely think the O'Shane Zimenez could surpass him in sacks this year. Now let's turn to Marcus Golden to compare him. He was in a rotational 3-4 system with James Betcher for Arizona most of his career, like I mentioned. 
Now, that 12-sack season, 12-and-a-half-sack season he had, he only started three of the 16 games. And then from that year on, he started every game that he played. If I'm doing the math correctly, he started 64.5 of the career games that he did play. Now, follow me on this one. This can be a knock on Fackrell or can't be. Because you look at Kyler Fackrell and you look at Marcus Golden. When Marcus Golden had 12 and a half sacks in Arizona, he was a rotational pass rusher. He was not the number one guy. He's, he was the second tier guy. Chandler Jones was the first guy. So you could have Kyler Fackrell as a pass rusher. I'm not going to stop saying that. I'm not going to deny that he's a pass rusher. Is he good? We'll figure it out this season because he only spent one year under Patrick Graham and we don't know how the rest of the defense is going to look. But the key to that is you can have Fackrell not start all of his games. The problem is, is that the Giants do not have an established number one pass rusher like they should. Like they should. And Fackrell is that number one guy. And I feel like that he's either going to take away O'Shane Zimenez's playing time. Now, I don't know because the season is about five months away. Actually, less than five, about four and a half. Now, we don't know what's going to happen in the season. We don't know if Kyler Fackrell is going to play all 16 games. We don't know if he's going to play half of that. We don't know. He was signed at about a $4.6 or $4.4 million contract prove-it deal, kind of like Marcus Golden, except he kind of got more. And that's kind of struggling to me, but whatever that means. Um, you can afford to have Kyler Fackrell as a pass rusher. And I'm going to say this again like I said a couple of seconds ago. You need a number one pass rusher and the Giants don't have one. That's why they need a search in the draft or get one next year. Then you could say that you have a decent pass rush. But a bunch of rotational guys like the Giants have right now, it's not going to cut it. You need a number one. And mostly NFL has a number one. Yannick Nagakwe on the Jaguars. Jadeveon Clowney wherever the hell he's going to go. Chandler Jones. He's on the Arizona Cardinals. He's their number one. Those are teams that get a lot of sacks. Now, Seahawks, obviously, they didn't get a lot of sacks with Clowney. They struggled in that last year. My point is, every or most of the NFL teams have a good pass rusher or established pass rusher on the number one. Second comparison. This one gets even dicier because this position is probably as valued as pass rush and Giants haven't been that good at that position in years. This one's inside linebacker. Blake Martinez replaces Alec Ogletree. Now, I'm one of the guys who didn't like Alec Ogletree. I was excited when they traded for him, but then I learned not to get excited, only because of the season he had in 2017. Now, a lot of people are starting to hate Blake Martinez or dislike him, and I really don't know why, to be honest, because he's not a covering guy like the Giants need. He's a tackling guy. Now, we don't know what Ryan Connolly is going to be because we cannot sit there and depend on his health. That's why I want Isaiah Simmons, but we'll get into that. Now, the Giants did have a tackling, not a covering guy last year. That was not Alec Ogletree. That was actually at a different position. That was Antoine Bethea. He was more of an in-the-box tackling guy. I think he actually had over 100 tackles last season. But he was not very good in coverage, and that's what the Giants have been lacking. But specifically, we're talking about the inside linebacker position. Now, I'm glancing at his stats and both of their stats. Now, Alec Ogletree's best season was in 2016. Martinez's best season was with Patrick Graham in 2018, which I mentioned earlier with the Kyler Fackrell thing. However, Martinez was an all-pro, Ogletree was in 2016. Now, unfortunately, I don't have a passer rating for both of those guys. 
But I think as far as Giants fans have watched many games, they could definitely see that Martinez is an upgrade um, over Ogletree. And Ogletree has missed a lot of tackles in his Giants career. And that's why he was cut this offseason because he couldn't do a lot of tackling and he couldn't do a lot of covering. Now Martinez, as I mentioned, he cannot really cover a tight end and or running back. And the Giants need that. But that's how both of their PFF grades got impacted last year. Ogletree coming out is a 54.2 and a 58.8 for Blake Martinez. Again, a lot of people have been saying, you know, Blake Martinez, he got signed. They paid for a linebacker. That's why we don't need Isaiah Simmons. Well, be honest for a couple seconds. Obviously, I mentioned a thousand times that Martinez is not a cover guy. We cannot depend on Ryan Connolly. We don't know if he's going to be ready for training camp. We don't even know if he's ready for these off-season programs virtually. And we don't know if he's going to be ready for regular season. And we don't know if he's going to be ready to start again. Plus, he's learning a whole new defensive scheme. So that might be tough. And that's why I want Isaiah Simmons at fourth overall. Because he could cover guys. He could play multiple positions. Obviously, I don't think that is going to translate to the NFL. You're not going to be playing all over the field, you know, like you did in college. You're not going to be Dion Buchanan or Jabril Peppers, what he was supposed to be. But I think Isaiah Simmons is an athletic, gutted his position. And I think that's what the Giants need, and they can't pass that up at fourth overall. Next one deals with the offensive line. Cam Fleming replaces Mike Remmers. Now, obviously, the offensive line is the weakest link. Of the offense, and you know, that's what many people are trying to argue that we should get a tackle. And if they don't prioritize the offensive tackle position in the first three, four rounds, maybe, well, maybe four is stretching it a little bit, you're gonna have to deal with another stopgap band aid solution with Cameron Fleming. Now, Remmers was a stopgap last year, replacing Chad Wheeler and Eric Flowers from the year before. In my opinion, to be honest, he didn't do that bad. He only allowed three sacks and five penalties, which could be fixed. Now, he's 30 years old, and the Giants didn't resign him for those reasons. The Giants gave up about, I would say, I think the number was 97 pressures last year from the offensive tackle position. That's horrible. That is horrible. Solder gave up 57, and the other tackles gave up 40. Now, that is not a good stat to look at all, and obviously, Giants are concerned with that. They want to replace that. They want to replace Solder and probably take another right tackle. But we'll see where they go in the draft now. There were other tackles besides Remmers. There was Nick Gates and there was also Eric Smith who also played in games. Now, Remmers didn't play in two games at right tackle. Nick Gates played against the Jets. And Nick Gates also played against the Eagles at right tackle the final game of the season. And then Pat Sherman was fired the next day. But also against the Jets, Nate Solder left the game with, I think it was a concussion. Eric Smith played, and he gave, he wasn't good at all at left tackle. I mean, I'm not saying that he'd be a stud or anything, but he did give up a lot of pressures, and that's why we gave up six sacks that day. And that is one of the reasons we lost besides a horrible defense that game. Now, just like Fackrell, there's another issue with Cameron Fleming. Fleming has only started 34.6 of the games he started in his career span with New England and Dallas. Remmer started 98.7% of the games that he did play in his career. But if you take a look at the inner circle, Remmers was more of a starter in his career, while Cameron Fleming was more of a backup. Now, he did get some starting time in New England. I think 2014, he got like the most out of his games that he started. But when he got to Dallas, his 
Playing time decreased because you had two better tackles. You had Lyle Collins at right tackle, and you had Tyron Smith at left tackle. Now, I will admit the Giants did make a depth move and an experience move here. Fleming does add veteran experience. He could gain more experience with playing time if they decide to put him at right tackle, which most likely they will plan to do because he is replacing Mike Remmers, and I don't think you're going to put a rookie to start in there whether they take Simmons first or whether they take a tackle first. I don't think you're going to start the rookie right away. Someone did prove to me earlier, and they were right, and I agreed with it, that if you put a rookie in the first season, he's likely to do horribly. You saw that with Colton Miller. You saw that with Garrett Bowles, the Broncos. You saw that with Juwan Taylor. Now, he is going to compete with Nick Gates for the backup tackle job. Now, th there is a chance both of them could stay because both experience at tackle and guard. Now, personally, I would go with Gates because it's not that Fleming's old. I think he's close to his 30s if he isn't already. I think he's in his like late 20s. But I don't think Nick Gates' talent is to waste for him to sit on the bench and be a swing tackle. I think that if Joe Judge likes him and Mark Colombo could work with him, I think you could slide him in there at possibly tackle when needed, guard when needed, or maybe even put him at center. But I think the Giants also will prioritize center. They like Cesar Ruiz and a couple other guys coming out of this draft like Matt Hennessy. I think that they will prioritize center in this draft. But I don't think Gates' talents is to go to waste. Because if the Giants do something like that, they're going to end up regretting it. And then they're going to be stuck with offensive line issues for another three years. Okay, next comparison. This one's kind of short, but it makes a point. Deion Lewis replaces Rod Smith. Now, you're going to say to me, why isn't he replacing Wayne Gallman? Wait for that one. I believe that Lewis is a much better running back and he has a lot more starting experience than Smith. And he could provide some insight to Saquon. Obviously, we know Saquon had a down year last year with his injury. And last year, after he came back from the injury, he had a hard time getting back to himself. And eventually he did. But I think the offensive line needs to be better. But anyway, Smith wasn't really a starter. And I think he was overshadowed by DeMarco Murray and Zeke Elliott. So Lewis gets the edge here before we get to the stats. Um, obviously, Rod Smith, the highest amount of yards he's had in the season is 232. As we mentioned, he's a backup. He was a backup. And he didn't even play last year. He got cut after the preseason because he got an injury. But you look at Deion Lewis's stats. His best season was in 2017 with the New England Patriots. They did go to the Super Bowl. He had 896 rushing yards. Uh, touchdowns he did have six so he was a primary back there so that is a point to be made which is I like to the subject and I mentioned the beginning of the subject uh, unfortunately the Giants don't like Wayne Gallman anymore and I think Dave Gettleman is trying to oust him you saw that with the signing of Rod Smith in 2019 now you see it as they signed Deion Lewis to back up Saquon Barkley I think officially Wayne Gallman is done in New York but he could be a starter or a second-tier running back somewhere else. It's just a shame that they're putting his talents to waste. I think he has a lot to offer, but I like Gallman. I wish the Giants would keep him, but unfortunately, I think he's done here either after this year or even after the preseason. The next one is very interesting. James Bradbury replaces Janoris Jenkins. Now, with this free agency, if it wasn't Byron Jones, it had to be James Bradbury. The Giants needed an established, solid veteran to boost Sam Beal, Corey Ballantyne, and... DeAndre Baker. He replaces the controversy Janoris Jenkins, who left New York because of a tweet he sent to a fan complaining about the team in his play. Now, 
Before we take a look at the stats, I would just like to say this part of the research was not done by me or for me. Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants did it. Uh, Shoutouts to him and Justin Pennick, who do Talking Giants. Definitely should check them out. And we are also having Justin on next Monday to talk post-draft. Now let's take a look at the stats. Bradbury against his opponents in 2019. Rex had 59 completions over 97 attempts. He had a 59.8% completion rating against him. 644 yards, 3 interceptions, and 1 touchdown. That's good. That's what I like to see. Um, he only gave up one touchdown, I guess. I don't know who was two. Um, 2018, he had all the 16 games played, 50 for 113. Quarterbacks were against him. A lower completion percentage at 44.2 with 802 yards. He did struggle a little more on the touchdown side. He got six touchdowns thrown against him and one interception. Now let's take a look at Janoris Jenkins the last two years. Unfortunately, I don't have the yards for 2019, but he had 15 games played. This was not just with the Giants. It was also with the Saints. 49 completions against him. 88 passes thrown his way. 55.7 completion percentage against him. Four touchdowns and five interceptions. Now, one of those touchdowns, I do remember. Giants fans remember. Three of those touchdowns, I think, most likely, came against Jameis Winston the Buccaneers when Mike Evans totally roasted him. Now, going back to 2018, where he played all the 16 games. 16-3 passes completed against him. 103 Passes thrown at him, 62.4 completion percentage, 786 yards, 6 touchdowns, and 2 interceptions. Now, those two are unbalanced, obviously. He gave up more touchdowns. Most memorable and misery for Giants fans um, was one that Curtis Riley missed and Janoris Jenkins missed. Dak Prescott threw it to Tavon Austin on a Sunday night football game in Dallas. And then another one was when Landon Collins and Janoris Jenkins were screwing around at the end of the Buccaneers game, and we could have seriously blown that game. Now, Janoris Jenkins does have an upside. He did make a Pro Bowl in his first season as a New York Giant. Now, you could look at it and say that Janoris Jenkins had a better season this year than James Bradbury. You could make that point, but Bradbury had a better 2018 season. Now, follow and listen to me. James Bradbury was the number one corner for the Panthers, and he faced receivers like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Now, Janoris Jenkins, the past two years, he faced really not good receivers. The only two were Amari Cooper and Alshon Jeffrey, and that's honestly it for good wide receiver ones. So I think the upper hand goes to Bradbury, because even though Janoris Jenkins has an upper hand on 2019, I think that James Bradbury has the better experience towards number one receivers and that's something the Giants haven't been able to do the past couple of years now here's the final comparison of free agency that at least I have prepared Levine Toilolo replaces retired Rhett Ellison now there's not too much to take into factor here because both are tight end twos and threes and let's be honest Caden Smith he's good he's going to be the number two behind Evan Ingram most likely but let's get to the point both are pretty much even matched. I would say Toy Lolo is more of a run blocker than a pass receiver, but Ellison definitely balanced that. Toy Lolo has more experience, which goes to run blocking. So, honestly, right now, Rhett Ellison, he does have the upper hand in this comparison because he balances the pass blocking, the pass receiving, and also the run blocking, while Tololo is not really much of a pass target. And he's going to be tight end three this year if the Giants do stick with him because he's a veteran and obviously you got to put the younger guys forward in a rebuild. So here's the final segment. 
Uh, we're going to talk about Justin Herbert and what came out yesterday or was the day before. I'm pretty sure it was yesterday. Um, here's one thing I'd like to say for all the people that actually think that Justin Herbert's going to be a giant come Thursday. I think you need to get your head checked and I think you need to look at last season's highlights and take a look at the giant situation right now. I don't think they're taking a QB and I don't think anyone else should think that. Why? Because you have Jones already. He, If he secures the football... With the help of the coaches, he's your franchise guy. Last time I checked, quarterback was not a major need on this roster. If you get Jones to stop fumbling the football when there's pressure on him, and if you get him to secure the football when he's going out of the pocket, I think you seriously have a franchise guy. Offensive line is a need on this offense, not quarterback. Now, to be honest, Justin Herbert regressed a little bit last year, but he's still a top 10 pick in my opinion. And he still is going to be a top 10 pick. And let's identify why this report was released. At least the smart people know. This report was released because the Giants really wanted to bait teams to trade up to their spot. And the Giants get that team spot and a couple of draft picks. Because obviously Dave Gettleman didn't have his head with them in October when they traded for Leonard Williams. They give up a 3-5 and five to the Jets. Now the Jets have that. And it has been rather difficult so far for Gettleman. And reports came out today that they're desperately trying to trade down. And they're trying to get another team to trade up so they could get further draft capital. And they could get their needs and sustain a winning roster. Well, not really sustain because they really haven't had a winning roster in such a long time. But to all the people who think Herbert is actually coming to New York with the fourth pick, I think you have better chances of Derek Brown coming here. And the Giants are stacked on that defensive line. Now, mind you, not all of them can get to the quarterback. But the real point is, there's better chances of Derek Brown coming to New York than Justin Herbert. So anyone who's hyping Herbert to come to the Giants, I think you're really going to be upset and there's no need for you to get in a pissy mood when the Giants select either an offensive tackle or Isaiah Simmons or even reach for A.J. Spencer, which I think is not going to happen. But surprises are surprises, but I think those two, meaning Brown and Herbert, you're not going to see those surprises in New York. Sorry. Don't get all frazzled because you're not going to see Justin Herbert in New York replacing Daniel Jones. I think that's not going to happen. And it won't happen. So there's that. So that concludes this episode of Bleeding Big Blue. Coming up tomorrow, we have Giants YouTuber Cop Pizzle coming on, talking the Giants and the draft. Thursday is our draft stream on YouTube. Be sure to look into that. Justin Pennant will come on with me next Monday to talk about post-draft. And then on Wednesday, we have former Giants. Defensive tackle Stacy Dillard coming on to talk some Giants. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel where our podcasts are available and they're also available on Spotify and Podbean. Please follow our social media accounts at Bleeding Big Blue Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. This is your host, Alex Guyvis Protus, signing off. See you tomorrow, everyone.